Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload, and this show is all about the world of first-person shooters, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. It is the will of the drowned god, Katala, that we band together to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. As always, I want to start off by saying thank you to all of the Keeps supporters. You truly are the Keepers of the Faith. I'm talking about Dots, Moose, Paul, Zach, Alexander, Lashaka, Brad, Night Owl, Tones, Jeffrey, Larissa, Nabe, Steve, NVZ, Catman, Samiko, and Chibi Sniper, all of whom have given in some way to the Keeper, that be through Patreon, through PayPal, a credit card donation, buying stuff through our Amazon links, uh, buying merchandise from our Redbubble store, or becoming a Nitro Booster over on Discord, or even just being a subscriber on our Twitch page. All of this is greatly appreciated, and we thank you. The Drowned God, Kathala, thanks you. You're all amazing. If you would like to join that wonderful group of people, you can. All of the links that you need to do so are over on inthekeep.com. Just click the Join Support link, and that will take you to quakefans.net, where we have a page there uh, with all of our links set up. And I also recommend you check out quakefans.net, because Smango is a boss, and I love him, and he's an amazing person. And all of the content over there is relevant to you. If you're a fan of In The Keep, I'm sure of it. All right, uh, let's just try to keep all that stuff short today. I just want to get straight into it. We are talking today with Hakita, who is the developer of a wonderful new first-person shooter game called Ultra Kill. And Ultra Kill, we're going to talk a lot about it, you know, directly in the interview, but I just want to like preface this saying like it is a very unique new type of experience within this retro shooter genre or whatever like you're gonna dig it you can go get it for free now on itch.io or i recommend that you go over to steam and follow the project so that when it does get an actual monetary release that you can do it there as well but i i really enjoyed this This is one of those uh conversations where i ended up talking to him for another like hour or so after we were done just kind of hitting it off uh, in, in a lot of ways i was because we're people who think alike and i think that you can hear that uh through the conversation as well but anyway hey let's get after it the music you're hearing is from the original soundtrack to ultra kill without any further ado let's get in the key with Kia. Arsti Patala, a.k.a. Hakira, because most people don't remember my actual name. <laughs> um, I'm a game developer, kind of. I'm currently making a game called Ultra Kill, and that's about it. I heard about Ultra Kill from Quake Fans Radio. Uh, Smango was talking about it on a recent episode, and I hadn't heard anything about it. And I went immediately and checked it out. I really, wh- one of the things that kind of stood out to me, just from the trailers themselves, was the graphics and that they literally look like an N64. Mm. Uh, was that intentional or how did you arrive at that decision? I specific, I specifically tried to go for a sort of PlayStation one look cause I okay. grew up with uh, like a PlayStation one game. So I really had always a soft spot for the really low resolution, like crusty and 
texture warping stuff, because there's a certain aesthetic to PlayStation 1 games that, for an example, Nintendo 64 didn't really have, which is this sort of greedy and grimy look. Yeah. Whereas, like, Nintendo 64 games used to be, or at least from my memory, are pretty sort of soft and easier on the eyes. Yeah, now that you say that, it kind of does... I just... I guess what I'm trying to say is like that era, like specifically and more so than a lot of the games, like we see a lot of games now that are being published is like retro shooter, like low res graphics. And then yours is like a very distinct art style that mm. doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like doom. It doesn't look like anything else. It looks like uh like a tomb Raider game or something like that. Yeah. I think, I think a big part of that is because I didn't actually grow up with retro shooters. Yeah. Cause like, I didn't really like I did I had played Doom obviously and like Duke Nukem 3D but like I didn't really get into them until Dusk came out came out and I was like that was just like okay there's there's something here I've been missing and I really have to get back in here so actually when I started Ultra Kill it well, like it's not kind of not really even a retro shooter because it does take sort of retro inspirations but it has a very different kind of take on it because I actually started that before I really got into retro shooters and it was more just like I just wanted to do the graphic style because I was really into that graphic style I think it's underused I want to think I was trying to explain to a friend maybe a few minutes ago before we got in here to do this interview what this game was like because they hadn't seen it or tried it and yeah it's really kind of hard to describe because it's really easy to call it like oh it's a retro shooter because it is a shooter Mm -hmm. and it's you know it looks old but yeah, this is one of those really awesome cases where the gameplay itself is totally unique. I can't even mm. think of anything else. It's like it's almost it's not, I know it's not a rhythm-based game, but it feels that way in the way that the combat works where you kind of like have to jump and dash and like time everything and watch mm. the enemies, the way that they move, especially the boss fights, um particularly oh, yeah. the 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 swordmaster, like he you kind of memorize a rhythm to the way that he attacks and then move, or at least I did. I started to move uh, preemptively according to how I knew he was going to act. And mm-hmm. then it became a really fun challenge. Yeah, because, uh, like, people people often say, because I, I keep saying that Ultra Kill is a sort of combination of FPS and character action, which is... Games okay. like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta and stuff. And people often say, oh, you're just saying that because it has a combo meter. But like, just in terms of everything that's sort of under the hood, it's very much been designed based on Devil May Cry 3. Because that's like my favorite game of all time. So sort of that's that's why it has a very different feel to it and why the sort of, uh, how should I say, the priorities are so different from other, these usual shooters. I also like the uh, resource management isn't such a big factor. It's more mm-hmm. like, you know, you douse yourself in enemy blood to regain health. Mm-hmm. And that that makes the game very, uh, it, it, the nature of it is that it's somewhat linear and it's, you know, y- you kind of have the timer going. So it's like try to move through it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very cool movement goes into this. And then because I'm not managing like ammo and different, you know, types of weaponry, at least yet, I I feel very focused on the task at hand, which is to just have fun and move uh, constantly forward and kill the enemies. Yeah, and especially the sort of... Because this is actually kind of a chicken and egg situation, which is yeah. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to have this sort of healing system that's entirely just pushing you. Like, you have to play aggressive because that's the only way you can get health. But also, 
I wanted to make the game so that uh, you had very little health or at least enemies do a ton of damage so that you actually have to learn how enemies and bosses and stuff work. Because that's a big problem I noticed while I was playing uh, Devil May Cry 5 is that it has amazing bosses if you play on the highest difficulty. Otherwise, the bosses are just like, yeah, they're okay. But in like lower difficulties, you don't actually have to learn them so you don't realize how intricate they are. Right. So I really wanted to sort of... Uh, make it that kind of like everything in the game is a glass cannon. So you, you really have to know what you're doing when you're doing it. Let's kind of back up a little ways. Like when did you kind of start getting into gaming itself? And then what led you to want to ultimately create a game? Oh boy. <laughs> that is like way back in my childhood. Cause I've been gaming for like as long as I can remember really. I used to like. I used to be the kid who was like not interested in making a whole lot of friends or doing sports or anything because I was just like, I want to play some fucking games, man. <laughs> so I was always just playing like Crash Bandicoot and stuff. And uh, when we initially got a PC in like mid two thousands, uh, I got really into Game Maker, which is like a really simplified game development platform, or at least was back then. I don't know how it is anymore, but. So I used to make these really bad platformers, and that was more of more more of just like a little fanzies thing. And then properly, I got into game development a couple of years back when I was thinking about education. I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck! Uh, what are things I like? I like movies. I like music. Well, I didn't get into any movie or music schools. Ah, uh, fuck it! I'll do game development." Yeah. <laughs> and then I just uh, sort of. As soon as I started actually making a game, I was like, okay, this is actually, I, I really, really enjoy this. I need to do this as much as I can. When you did decide, like, I want to make games, why this type of game? Uh, well, previously, I was, uh, uh, me and a friend from a previous school who's also actually helping with this game, that's Tony Steele. Mm. Uh, we were working on a stealth game, and that was sort of, we worked on it for like a month or so. But then, uh, interestingly, when I came to this current uh, game development school that I'm at, I gave it to uh, one of the guys here, and he played it for like a minute or something, and then it just stopped, and he's like, okay, this just isn't fun. And that sort of that sort of like made me realize that, oh, fuck, during the entire development of this, of this stealth game, I never actually thought about like what like how I can make it fun because I just assumed because it's cool because still really had some really interesting ideas so I just assumed because it's interesting it has to be fun but obviously that didn't happen so then I sort of started to, like I, I scrapped the whole idea I'm like okay let's just I need to think of everything that I think is fun I think over-the-top action is fun over-the-top cartoonish violence is fun um things like that and then i just okay i'll make a game that's combining all these things into one so that i'll make sort of what i think is fun about games into one solid thing <laughs> it, i don't know man it's a really cool hodgepodge that's kind of i don't know it, this is a truly unique game that's that's really the way i see it is that i gonna say that a lot of times during this interview like i can't think of anything else like it and mm. some of the combat mechanics I find particularly fun, especially the sliding and everything. And then, you know, you can do the midair dashes. How Mm. did you like, why did you decide to have that be the mechanic? It's, it's not a, uh, 
it's not grounded in realism in any way. You know, that's oh, really no. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, like, I mean, I, I was just thinking, like, basically, like, okay, uh, evasive maneuvers. Obviously, you have to have multiple so that you have this sort of constant thing going on in your head where you have to decide, okay, do I want to slide? Do I want to jump? Do I want to dash? You have to constantly be thinking about these things and what's the most useful in each situation. So the dashing came from uh, Devil May Cry 3 because that yeah. has like a tri- triple dash thing, with trickster style. And the slide comes from Titanfall 2, I think. Because oh, okay. I was really into that at one point. And just like moon jumps I wanted because uh, not only is it like really fun for mobility, but also it's really useful because it's like in the air, you're always a lot safer than on the ground. Hmm. But also to keep the gravity sort of low so that you actually have time to aim while you're in the air, because otherwise it would just be annoying to have to constantly jump. And what, um, I'm, I'm trying to, maybe it'll be revealed, maybe not, but I'm trying to get a grasp on the setting of the game because it feels like a, uh, it feels like a temple, but it also feels sort of futur- futuristic. Like I feel like I'm... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's like almost like a future Egypt type thing. What what are what's the actual background of the art style and and the theme of the game? Basic basic idea is sort of I haven't actually put it in the game, so I'm not surprised that most people miss it since I just put it on like storefronts and stuff. I will okay. actually put it in the game at some point. But the basic premise is basically that like mankind has been wiped out by unknown forces or for an unknown reason, like hundreds of years ago, and now the only moving things left on earth are basically these machines that have been built to be fed by blood and now that now that like all the people have died all the animals have died there's just corpses on the surface these machines are starting to run out of blood and obviously the only thing left to do is to travel into hell itself to find more blood by killing the people that have already died and the demons and other machines and whatever they can find. Okay, that's so an they, interesting take yeah. on the story. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's sort of prelude area, this sort of orange industrial hellscape-like. The idea with that is that it's sort of like, it's supposed to be like generic, like what you would actually think like a mechanical hell would be, but it's actually not quite in hell yet. That's why it's the prelude. And at the end, you fight Cerberus because you're finally entering hell. And then once you, once you actually get to hell, you, re, you like open the door and just like blue sky and green grass. And like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so it's sort of like a subversion in a way where it starts off kind of generic environments. But then, then you realize that it's going to be very different from here on out. I don't know that it's just such an interesting direction for a story to go. Because it almost, it almost sounds like... Uh like a matrix type situation, but then it has the added twist of, you know, going, going to hell and everything. That's have you always been like into storytelling? You you did mention earlier, you were kind of into uh, like film and mm. other things before gaming. I'm yeah, I'm, I would say I'm not really into storytelling as much as I'm into interesting ideas because okay. I'm really, I'm really bad at writing. I really don't have much of a, way with words but i really have all these interesting sort of or at least what i think is interesting like ideas that i want to like explore and put into put into sort of practice and see what comes out of those 
So luckily, I know some people who can actually write. <laughs> so it's not going to be terrible in that on that front. There's definitely a lot of ideas that I'm putting into this game that if I can figure out how I want to convey them to the player, I think it's going to be very interesting, sort of, even from a story perspective, even though that's not the focus. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's really... That's a pretty everything about this is kind of shaping up to be unique. It's a unique way of telling a story. It's a fairly new take on that sort of story, at least. That's a, a common pretense, and but you kind of need that. It's the there has to be some sort of familiar ground to start off with. And I think a lot of people are going to pick this up thinking that they're you know getting into something like Quake, and mm. that are going to be pleasantly surprised like I was because of how completely different the gameplay itself is. Mm, I hope so too. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like um, you're kind of dashing through these levels. Like I said earlier, they're they're fairly you know straight shot, linear, and just fast paced mm-hmm. action to the to the uh, end grounds, and then you have uh, you know you can kind of go to the little I forget what they're called, but the upgrade stations where you can buy mm-hmm. you know upgrades for your weapons and such. Um, can you kind of just give us an idea of how you want the player, like how did you as the designer of the game intend for this game to be played? And then have you seen people maybe streaming it, do it in different ways than you expected? Yeah, definitely. Cause well, I mean, the baseline is that like, uh, well, first, first it started, like I, I was like, okay, this is like, this game should be played like this specifically. But then sort of, as I was developing it and giving it to people, I sort of was realizing that People like even though this is like the most fun way for me at least to play the game, it might not be for other people, which is why I really wanted to give people enough options for different styles so that everyone can sort of find uh, a way of playing that suits them the most while still always pushing people towards playing as aggressively as possible. Because I think that's what uh, suits the game the best, and I think that's how how you'll have the most fun as long as you can still put your own spin on it, so to say. Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know, is Dravko Marinoff? He's making limitless hunger. And, uh, when you were talking about kind of the lore of the game, it reminded me a bit of his project too, with the sort of the heaven and hell future sort of thing. I was wondering if you guys had ever talked to each other. No, I never actually heard of this game before, but I definitely have to take a look. Yeah, it's cool. Um, his is more of like I'd say it's a, a bit more gameplay wise, like like a typical serious Sam or you know Doom style, mm. uh, just shooter uh, with you know item management and everything. But yeah, he's he's been a, pe- a guest on the show before, and I really uh-huh. enjoyed talking to him because of his he's very into the storytelling aspect of his, you know his game. Mm. Like he's got a very mapped out idea of like you know there's angels and demons are going to war and all this you know, very. Uh, mm. I would say he's interested in telling a story through these grand gestures of how, you know, how the characters interact and how uh, it's, it's giant, it's heaven and hell and all this sort of thing. And then Mm. I just wondered if you guys had communicated because it's, it's, you're both doing like the sort of similar games on the unity engine. No, the thing is I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of stumbling my way through the whole process. So I have barely talked to other developers at all because I always feel like I just, because it, it wasn't like I was basically a nobody. Well, I'm still I am a nobody, but I was a complete nobody still back like 
last year summer until I released the demo and suddenly like uh, people start playing my game and stuff but, and like it's been so sudden I really haven't had time to realize I'm like a game developer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the most I've done is like talk to some of the New Blood guys because they're very easy to talk to luckily. Very nice guys. New Blood? Yeah, I yeah. I had a uh, David Szymanski on the show pretty mm. recently. It's such a great guy, but all of them, everybody over at mm. New Blood. Super yeah, cool. definitely. All even even all the like lesser known people like Scott and Hank, they're just what are really really wonderful people from what I've talked with them. Mm-hmm. Are they giving you feedback or anything if you like let them play the demo? I know they do yeah. that sometimes. It's just kind of like, "Hey, we're testing this out for you and let you know what they think mm-hmm. of it and everything." Yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, especially with, uh, well, I've been trying to, trying, <laughs> like emphasis on trying to uh, email Dave Oshry a lot with these like builds and stuff because like I really want to sort of get the quote unquote new blood opinion, but he's, they're all very busy right now. They have like so many projects going on. So it's a bit that's hard to somewhat, sometimes get a con- like into contact with them, but that's really understandable. So it's it's been very helpful though what I've heard from them so far about the game. Yeah, uh, Dave Oshry can be uh, he's very public, but also kind of hard to isolate him time wise. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a running theme on like probably the last three or four episodes of this show is people bringing up how you know, <laughs> exactly that subject, how hard it is to track down Dave Oshry. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Man, I don't know. I hope that you get if you got picked up by New Blood, that'd be awesome. But I mean, there's plenty. Oh, of it would be, <laughs> but really, no. Like, don't don't expect much because they're just they have so they have like seven or eight projects going on right now. It's it's kind yeah. of ridiculous. It's a uh, it's really interesting to watch them grow and everything. But yeah, absolutely, because uh, I I really think they can make it big, like I even think- even bigger than they already are. But just like you know, I think they can really become a sort of. I would maybe not a household name, but definitely something like like a devolver level where people like think indie they think of devolver or new blood or something. That's kind of the same box I put them in in my head is mm-hmm. like you know devolver is just like this great publisher that has a reputation for making the wildest craziest games, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, new blood's definitely on that sort of track. But I just appreciate yeah. them as people and for the games that they have made. Like that's the Absolutely. biggest thing. And definitely, especially especially what I've heard from them, from sort of uh, also like quote unquote under the hood, they just seem like like they have all the sort of priorities I also have of like being really um, accepting and lenient of all the people who are working there and not like being like, oh, here's a deadline, you have to do this by this deadline and stuff. But they're just like letting people uh, sort of grow and express themselves as best suits them. And I think we're really seeing the results of it because all this, all the games they've released have been really good, at least the ones they, I've played. No, they're pretty much, at this point, synonymous with awesome games. Mm-hmm. Like them and Like, Andrew Holschultz, one of those people like that, too, where I just think of, if I see him put his name on a game, I know it's good, period. Like Which is most games nowadays. <laughs> yeah, he's done everything. He's done everything. It's crazy. It is. Sometimes I just wonder, like... Like, like, I maybe he's overworking himself, but then I listen to like the stuff he does for the other games, and I'm just like, okay, never mind. He's still on the top of his game. Yeah. It's all great. I realized that there was like a 
recently on the show a four episode run and i realized because i was trying to like oh maybe i should get the soundtracks to the games to put into the episode and four mm-hmm. in a row were all games he made and i was like fuck <laughs> so i messaged him like hey andrew would you stop working so hard dude like this is killing me don't worry andrew won't make a song for old tricky <laughs> No, nah, he's a he's a monster, dude. He just keeps going, and he's very passionate about his work, and just super, oh. super dedicated to his craft. And that's such an interesting thing is like he's carved out a niche, you know, that doesn't really. Most kids don't grow up thinking like I'm gonna make music for video games is a oh. path that you could make a big name for yourself in. And like, furthermore, not just making music for video games, but this very particular genre, he's kind of. If you want to make a retro shooter, uh, you his name's going to come up in the list yeah. of who's going to do my soundtrack. Definitely, and he has a, he has really good range as well. Because not only can he do the like obviously like the metal stuff that he's famous for, but also the ambient and sort of a more experimental side that it keeps popping up in more recent games, like with uh, Proteus. There's some really interesting ambience there. Oh, for sure. And obviously, we obviously with dusk as well. There's some really, really good ambience there. So it's like I'm, I'm really glad that he's sort of being able to get into so many games so that he can try as many styles out as possible. Yeah. So, uh, how's the soundtrack to your game shaping up? Like, it's really got its own thing going on. How did you uh, put that together, and what's the direction of it? Ah, that's kind of a wide question, but uh, well, how I put it together is really just I have I have a guitar and I have a bass, so I play those, and I'm really bad at playing drums, so I put so I just use electronic drums everywhere. Cool. I've been experimenting with sort of different ways of using a similar sound. So there's a really recently I just did a boss theme for a boss that I don't want to reveal yet, and that was sort of very different take because I sort of wrote it in MIDI first and then uh, adapted that into electronic and real instruments. That's so really cool. very Yeah, it has a very different sort of melodic take. And I'm also doing a soundtrack for a much less known uh, Finnish retro shooter called White Hell. And that's basically the way we do it there is I just write songs in MIDI and then we put it through like a cheap sound font to make it sound like a 90s bargain bin fps music white hell i gotta check i'm like literally just as you said that i started typing looking for it like yeah it's it's very obscure because it's basically it's two guys are making it and they're uh, my friends and we basically started working on our project at the same time yeah i think it's really good uh I've done this a couple of times kind of on the show where I feel like as I grow a catalog of, you know, people that I've interviewed, eventually I'm going to be like indie shooter, uh, Cupid where I'm just like, Hey, if you, Uh if you talk to so-and-so that kind of thing, but it's definitely interesting to watch people kind of, uh, as you said, you're, you're kind of in your own bubble developing and then people that are like doing sort of the same thing in different parts of the world and not even aware of Uh the other people doing it. It's really, really fun to see that happen. Yeah, it's interesting nowadays, especially making games, because like, yeah, like like you you mentioned, like like even though like we're in different like we're in different parts of the world and stuff, but like uh, because of how sort of internet 
works nowadays. Yeah, like the, I have a couple of people who have been helping me make Ultra Kill. It's yeah. it's like it's mostly a solo project, but I need help with stuff like models and drawings and stuff. And like there's only like one other person on that sort of team that's also Finnish because there's like one Belgian guy, there's one Norwegian guy, there's a Swedish guy, there's an Australian guy, Russian guy. It's like from all over the world and it's just thanks to the internet that's possible because otherwise I would just basically be fucked because the game would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's also easier for you to reach your audience, you know? You're not like, uh, you don't have to go through a distributor. Be realistic about if you were to publish your game, who would you know? Who would you first go to? And then you'd have to deal mm. with like, okay, I've got a European market, I've got an American market, I've got blah 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 blah. Mm. And now it's just like a, you can upload it, put it on the internet, you know, Steam or whatever, and hopefully mm. make a make a living or at least an impact. Mm. But also that that also makes it sort of a bit more frightening in a way because now even though you can release a game that that doesn't mean that you'll get noticed because there's like what 40 games released on steam every single day that's true so it's like you really have to even even though it's easy to release a game you really really have to work to get noticed when you release a game i think that you have to you know find that audience of people who really vibe with what you're doing but I, mm. it, it's a it, you're right it is a give and take on all things are give and take but in today's mm-hmm. age i think there's never been a time where you can reach specifically the people who are into your little niche thing whatever that happens to be mm-hmm. so if it's you know if i mean i've built a, a podcast basically on the premise of this type of game which is pretty rare in the grand scheme of things you know in the, it's a growing genre and it's really cool and i obviously love it very much but it's uh, different than if I were to say, like, I'm just going to do a gaming podcast where I could, you know, talk about, you know, yeah. the biggest, newest AAA things or whatever. And that's not what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to uh, appeal to people like yourself and myself who mm. gravitate towards this type of game. And yeah, and especially that sort of, even though that's a niche thing that's actually making you stand out a lot more because... I don't think there's a whole lot of these uh, retro shooter or even just FPS podcasts in general. So even even though you're not sort of being uh, like uh, like even though most people might not listen to your podcast, the people who actually care are much more likely to find it. Right. That you know that's what I'm trying to get at is the the, the people who are here. Maybe they're not a lot of us, but we're we're really here. We really do care. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just some guy who's like trying to like go find you know whatever games to talk about on my podcast or right? I'm not trying to fuel a fire with that I'm tr- mm-hmm. I literally am passionate about the type of game that you're making and yeah like, definitely please please look forward to the episode of the keep about five nights at Freddy's <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> wonderful it could happen I don't know no I'm kidding <laughs> Honestly, if that guy wanted to talk, I'd probably have him on. Just, to, just to oh, yeah, 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 no. Like, like if, if, like, I would fucking, I would fucking go on my knees in front of that dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Even though, even though, I, even though I don't really like those games, it's just like that's that's such an opportunity to get to talk like, to someone like that. I liked how honest he was, you know, about. Mm. Uh, you know, by the time he got to, I don't know, the third or fourth one, he's just like, well, this one's going to pay for my kids to go to college in my new <laughs> yacht. So, like, yeah, 
or like Robert Kirkman said that about The Walking Dead because everybody was like, oh, this show's going on forever. Why do you keep doing it? And he's just like, I don't know. I'm not watching it anymore. I'm on my own. <laughs> That's just how they sort of, yeah, when you make it big, there's really very little reason to stop. Because like, like when you, when you think about it sort of, even when you take a step back and look at it, it's like, okay, I, I can stop doing this and then sort of, keep to whatever principles I have or I can keep doing this and take all of the money I get to actually be able to make the things I really want to make yeah and that's another double-edged sword that you know mm. maybe you'll run maybe you'll have to make that choice one day I genuinely hope you do but mm. I don't know I, I think it's just a it's all it's definitely better I respect people more who stick to their principles but mm. I do I do appreciate the fact that, you know, like, yeah, he made a squintillion dollars or whatever it is off of The Walking Dead. So now he can work on what he's truly passionate about. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's like either way, like whichever decision you go with, I, I can really respect that. I can understand it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, just go with whatever, whatever suits you, man. <laughs> I, w- I think I would I would have the Five Nights at Freddy's guy on the show specifically because i think that would get a lot of attention and then it would bring attention mm. to people like you like they would yeah, click no, on that's, that that's, and then... yeah that's marketing <laughs> thinking right there yeah. that's that's how you get forward yeah no that's, that's how not... you finally get in touch. that's how you finally get in touch with dave oshery yeah that's true I, re- I really do like what i've seen so far and i really do like the just genuinely fast-paced uh gameplay itself how it's sort of it feels like it's encouraging speed running. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's very very interesting sort of because I haven't really like I've sort of well, casually watched speed running every now and then with like games done quick and all that, but actually getting to talk to people who like do speedruns and stuff has been very interesting. But there's also the downside that a lot of the times these people uh, after a while, know the game better than I do. Yeah. So they so they'll be like, oh, but what? Maybe you should do it so that in this very specific physics uh, situation, a uh, thing like this would happen. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's like a- I played the game for the first time or something. Yeah. It's a fun game in that. Even if you're going to speed run it, it's not like uh, like Doom where it's just like you can kind of go around and get the keys to open the door. You actually have to kill enemies to get through this door. So it'd be fun to watch like the help. They have to be good at the combat. They're going to have to really quickly mm. get awesome at the combat. Mm. Unless you play on 1.02 of the prelude that lets you go out of bounds. Oh, nice. Those are... I, 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 did, I did fix those in the latter version, but... In retrospect, I don't know if I should have, because in in a way, those those are like the kinds of things that only people who try to go out of bounds will be able to go out of bounds. So who am I to tell them not to? Mm, I'm not sure. It's I guess it depends on you and like what your artistic Mm. view of it is. Like I I talk a lot about. I think speedrunning keeps coming up not only because it's such a popular thing within gaming, but because it is something that I see a lot of developers kind of get not triggered by but just like they oh that's a thing that they're they're gonna break my game like you what you see people take the game that you you know created with an intention this is how i want it to be done and Mm -hmm. then uh that's a whole community of people whose job it is basically to just reduce it down to 
the very basic, like how do I get from point A to point B very fast? And then they end up breaking it or abusing, you know, assets and different things like that. And I think it's interesting because when I started making Ultra Kill, I was very much, uh, like I said before, I was really very much sort of set in stone, like this is how the game should be played and stuff. But sort of the further I keep getting into development, uh, the more open I keep becoming to sort of these alternate uh, ways of playing the game. So I really like, especially now, if, if someone like finds a way of like, oh, here's here's uh, some kind of really weird glitch that lets you do this or that, then I like, uh, like you, before I would have just gone like, oh, I gotta fix that. But now I'll actually like think like, okay, is this, something that would make the game unfun or is yeah. it like a fun thing to do and sort of like even even outside of speedrunning i recently added a assist menu to the game and it's like because otherwise I, I like earlier i would have never done that but then i realized like some people just can't actually be able to have fun with the game without having that kind of help so i think it's always best that the most uh, a possible amount of people will have fun at least in their own way for sure yeah i think it's it's a new age you know people are kind of used to having their gameplay fed to them you know piece mm. by piece like tutorials and everything like that it's not like a, you know how old are you uh, i'm 23 i think okay. <laughs> i forget these things yeah, no you're the same age as me roughly uh i think mm. i'm a year older than you are but in our in our childhood is I remember playing you know games where there was absolutely no help whatsoever and you had to go buy a oh, yeah. book you know people don't remember that a lot now I was like you buy the the big player's guide I even know people who still do that strangely enough mm-hmm. and then kind of walk you know figure it out and, and if you couldn't afford the player's guide then you're just you're on your own you're figuring out how to play that game as a kid that was like that didn't even matter like you could keep beating your head on a fucking stone wall for it days yeah. on end and you would eventually figure it out but especially once you sort of grow up into an adult you start realizing how much less time you have yeah so you really can't well yeah like like i sort of i sort of have begun to understand why so many games hold your hand nowadays and even though i don't like how rail railroady games get nowadays i do sort of understand it's at least some on some levels necessary I just like to think that, you know, it's good that all that exists. And if that's what's popular, cool. But I've never liked mm. the popular stuff in general. Yeah. I've never been, you know, the kind of guy who just wanted to go watch the latest blockbuster movie or what I want to see. Oh, I want to yeah. dig. I want to dig for my art. And so therefore I Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And that's, that's the best thing about the internet nowadays is that you can just go online and look at fucking Soviet art films from the late sixties or something. Yeah, and you can find it. Uh, you used to have to like actually be in like some kind of like a subculture circle, and even then, you would only get what they found for you. But nowadays, you can just go online and find anything. Like you can find such weird games if you just look for them. And it's really, it's a really interesting time for art in general, and I'm yeah. very, very happy about where music and films and games are going currently because of that. It's going to be a very controversial opinion, so I don't know if I should actually talk about it, but I think we're in a very interesting crossroads currently with retro FPSs in general. 
because they sort of had this resurgence uh, in the past couple of years after like strafe and dusk and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sort of, uh, I don't know if it's really if it can be called a problem, but I feel like this is st- slowly starting to become a problem, which is that a lot of games that are going for this retro style, these sort of retro callback elements are basically just like. I, I I feel like a lot of them are sort of just not really trying to be themselves. Like a lot of them are sticking way too close to the formula and that's not that's like making them seem too similar to each other. Which is like if you if you just think about the popular ones then that's fine, but then you start like thinking about games like Hellbound and Hellhunt and Yeah. Uh, What's that? Uh, there's there's another one that I forget. It's called something similar to Strafe. But usually that's the problem. I don't I don't remember these anymore because they start the seeming so similar suddenly. And I think that's going to be, uh, especially this year with so many of them coming out. I think that's going to start becoming a problem for these indie developers. I really feel bad for a lot of these people who are really passionate about this style specifically. And I think. Most likely, all these games are really good. I haven't really played them because most of them are still in development, but I'm just really worried that they can't get themselves to stand out from the crowd soon anymore. I think that uh, that's going to be a real issue, and I I think I know where it comes from, or at least I have an idea, is that uh, certain, you know, there's a lot of people who are making these games uh, throughout time that are just genuinely passionate about this specific type of thing. And that that's what they wanted to make because artistically that's the direction they were headed in. Mm. And then once they do that and someone sees it successful, like for instance, let's say dusk, like they see it, it mm. becomes very successful. And then other people are like, their mind is that that's a market I can capitalize on now. Mm. And that's their motivation. And I don't really think that anybody's going through the trouble of, you know, making a whole game uh, that we're going to end up talking about. Because if it's just a complete money grab, then we'll probably notice well ahead of time that this game sucks. But I don't know. That is a part of it. There's definitely going to be people, and there probably already are, that are just trying to capitalize on what they see as a growing market. I don't know. It's going to be harder to stand out as well. Yeah, because I think... Uh, we're in a sort of interesting moment right now in sort of FPS. Well, I guess you could call it history in a way if you want to be really pretentious like I am. But we're in a sort of crossroads at the moment where these sort of retro FPSs are currently they're still, I, I think it's safe to say they're currently still kind of a fad at this sort of current renaissance. Yeah. But I think I think with depending on how things go this year and maybe even next year, it might actually become its own sort of stable subgenre. And I think that's really, really exciting. So I really hope that sort of we don't end up having the same problem that we had in the late 90s, where all these games are just trying to use such a similar formula that they start blending together. Yeah, I don't think we're talking about Doom clones necessarily. Like, yeah. especially the stuff that I've been, you know, seeing lately has all been, uh, for the most part, you know, it looks this way. You know, it looks or kind of plays similarly to these old school games. It, it harkens mm-hmm. back to that era, but uh, mechanically 
very different. You know, the, the difference between your game and something like Nightmare Reaper, you know, that mm-hmm. both we could both say that they fit into the same category, but Nightmare Reaper mm-hmm. has got like all these roguelite elements. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it, you know, every like, randomly generated levels and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Stuff that has nothing to do with, you know, Doom. Even storytelling wise, it's kind of a completely different sort of game and just that, you know. Definitely. And then for, for your game, even it. There, there's no similarity in the gameplay really between mm-hmm. this and any other game in the quote-unquote genre that we're talking about yeah so that's sort of that's kind of what makes this really interesting is that i think at least uh especially with ultra kill i've seen a lot of people mm-hmm. complaining that you know why are you saying this is a retro fps because it's not really a retro fps and i completely understand that because it's it's so different at this point that i think it's uh, understandable, don't even want to call it retro anymore. And, and with Nightmare Reaper as well, it's like they, we're both both these games are sort of taking inspiration from the genre, but not really right. taking sort of not really going with the same kind of formula. And I think that's that's uh, th- those kinds of games popping out every now and then are, I think, what's gonna keep this uh, genre going and keeping it stable instead of just becoming like dying out but i think that's that kind of sounds very selfish for me to say about my own game so i don't know i really don't know a whole whole lot about these things i'm just a random guy from finland who goes to school and makes a game every now and then (laughs) that's really cool though man that's good it's good to do that and just to have a passion and go for it where you know whatever it feels like just talking to you that you're not you're not out to just sell out and make a shitload of money. And I'm sure if, if you got the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that, I think you should make a lot of money, but it seems I hope like I do, but I, yeah. that's not my main goal. Right. Your passion is to make the, make a game that you believe in. Yeah. Because it's like really the only reason I even like, uh, the only reason I'm going to sell this game for money instead of giving it out for free is so that I can continue to make games in the future because I don't really, I really don't have much interest in, making a lot of money i just need enough to survive and yeah. really that's that's enough for me because I, I really don't care about buying things or having like a big house or a cool car or anything i just want to put myself out there in art and games and as much as possible well that's awesome man thank you so much for uh, coming on the show do you have anything else that you want to say before we get out of here mm, i want to shield i want to shield some of my friends if that's okay get after it let's do it yeah, uh, I mentioned them before, but White Hell, very interesting uh, sort of Finnish apocalypse, post-apocalyptic FPS, sort of taking inspiration from like Return to Castle Wolfenstein and yeah, some uh, some like Quake in there as well, and it has a very interesting, very very interesting sort of tone and very uh, sardonic sense of humor that's really fun and interesting setting. So you should you should go check that out. There's also Viserfest. I don't know if you've heard of this game before. I have. I'm following it very closely. Mm, yeah, that's a very interesting game as well. That's. I think they're having a demo come out soon-ish. Uh, probably like this year at some point, maybe even in a couple months. But that's a very... That's definitely a game I'm also following and it seems like it's going to be shaping up to be something really cool. Uh, yep. 
let's see, is there anything else? I think I'm forgetting people, and I'm so very, very sorry to all those people. And everybody makes mistakes or has brain farts. Uh, I think I've proven that myself today. So. Oh, yeah. It's fine. It, it, the flaws are what makes us interesting as people. That's true. So <sighs> I think, yeah, just just keep track of, like, yeah, definitely, like, try to, like, to everyone listening to this podcast, just, like, try to look up uh, even small projects on Twitter and follow these uh, FPS developers, too. Because it's, it is a very interesting sort of network of very small, very unknown developers making very interesting projects right now. Much agree. I think that is the coolest thing about doing this is just the people you meet. 